Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Save big money at Menards. Let the fresh air in and keep the bugs out with replacement screen for your doors and windows from AdForce. It's easy to install, durable against the elements, and comes in a variety of types to suit your needs. Repair your screens today with a roll of replacement screen on sale through May 5th. And check out more great deals happening now in our weekly flyer on Menards.com. Save big money at Hey, I'm Sarah. When planning our home birth, my husband Matthew and I were really frustrated by the lack of empowering and honest home birth resources. So we created this podcast to start a new conversation for moms and families like us. This is Doing It at Home. Hi guys, welcome to the Doing It at Home podcast. Today we get to speak with both mom and dad. So we're talking with Sean and Renee about the birth of their son, Mason. And I love when I get to hear the couple explain it together and kind of play off each other and talk about the planning and then the birth itself. So for one thing, we talk about gestational diabetes in this episode, something we have not delved into on the show before. And so I'm really happy that we get to talk about it with them and they share through their process and how they managed it and maintained it. So it's a really great resource in that sense for any of you dealing with that. And then... After Renee's water broke, nothing really happened. And so we talk about things to move labor along, like castor oil and chiropractic care. But eventually they made the decision to transfer to a birthing center with a midwifery model of care. And just to give you a little bit of a picture of what Renee was experiencing, her water bag formed two more times and had to be broken. So Each time her water would break, it would end up reforming and things just weren't really progressing the way that they wanted to see. She also experienced a five-minute contraction, ladies and gentlemen. So ultimately, the decision was to go with a C-section. And I love that we kind of round out this conversation. What I think is the highlight of it and what, what streams through it all is that home birth is about a philosophy, not a location. And so thank you so much to Sean and Renee for hanging out with us and giving us some perspective on that and sharing their story. So here it is. Hi, Sean and Renee. Welcome to the Doing It at Home podcast. How are you guys? Doing very well. How are you? Oh, awesome. Awesome. I'm really excited to be hanging out with not just you two, but we have a third as well. We have baby Mason hanging out with us. That's right. He is fast asleep. He just finished nursing, so Aww. he is in a happy little milk coma. Yes, yeah. milk drunk. Happy. I love it. <laughs> That's great. Well, why don't you just share, just to kind of kick us off, a little bit about you guys and where you are and what you're up to. Uh, so I so we live in uh, Madison, Wisconsin, on the east side, and uh, we. So I'm a professional musician. A percussionist, a freelance musician, and I teach little kids. I teach uh, first to fourth graders piano lessons here in uh, in Madison. And Renee, 
Um, I am a, I've been a veterinary technician for a long time. I'm currently going to school for some computer programming, and um, we've got uh, five dogs that keep us very busy, and um, also one horse who I try to get out to see sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> wow, so you said five dogs? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, wow. five border collies. Oh my gosh, that's amazing! Wow, uh, Matthew and I just adopted a new pup. Um, she's not a pup; she's like four years old. But last night was her first night in the house, and so we went from we had two dogs, and sadly had to put one down a few months ago, and now we're a house of of two dogs. And um, it was it was kind of like having a new baby for a little bit. At some points in the night, I was like, "This is familiar." <laughs> It is, yeah, and one of our one of our dogs is actually just a year old now, Ender, mm. um, our husband. And uh, yeah, and the other the other four are much older, so there's a big age gap there. But nice. yeah, they, they are they are like an extra. What did I say yesterday that having a baby is kind of like having a puppy? <laughs> yeah, you did. It definitely made that comparison. <laughs> wow. Well, so then, when you guys were preparing for. A baby, a human baby. Um, what what was that process like as you were envisioning and thinking of your birth? Did you know you wanted to do home birth? Was it something you kind of came upon together? What was that journey? I think that we were both kind of independently pretty clear that we didn't want to start off in the hospital. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like my mom had been wife for my sister, my for my younger sister. And um, so I definitely knew that I wanted to have a midwife, but I wasn't, I guess I didn't really know that much about home birth. And so I was not opposed to being at like a birthing center or someplace like that. Um, But Sean was pretty wanting to have a home birth. And the more that I learned about it, um, it just seemed like the comfortable place to be. It made a lot of sense. And so. um, Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, years before Renee and I ever met, I just, been browsing through Netflix and just for some reason I watched the business of being born huh. and I don't, I don't even know why I did, <laughs> but I, and I was like, Oh cool. Home birth. And it just kind of like planted the seed in my mind. And I was nowhere near considering having kids at the time. Um, and actually that's the thing. Like Renee and I, we both never planned on really, we planned on having Mason. Like we planned, we planned this, birth, but before we planned that, like, neither of us ever thought we were going to have kids. Mm. So it's not like I had this, like, birth story in my imagination that I wanted to have. Like, I I was very clearly, and I think Renee was in the same boat, of, like, not really ever wanting kids Mm. until we met each other. And and so when we make the birth plans, we actually sat down and watched Business of Being Born together, Mm -hmm. right? And And then we actually, before we were pregnant, we actually started contacting midwives in Madison wow. to just like interview people what they were like. Mm-hmm. And the first interview, the only interview we did was with uh, Tamina as our, as our midwife. And uh, she was awesome. So we just didn't even bother interviewing anybody else. And we went with Tamina. Mm-hmm. A month later, we got pregnant. Wow. Wow. So yeah, for not being years. sure about kids, you like plans got into motion yeah. and things aligned really well. <laughs> yeah. Well, we decided we want to do something. We just, Get it done. Yeah, Yeah, we met online like a little over two years ago. And then uh, about a week after meeting and going on a couple dates, we decided we were going to get married. And so (laughs) a year after that, we got married. And then a year after that, we had Mason. 
So it, we, we kind of moved pretty quickly. There <laughs> you go. But like resolute, like this is what we want and that's what we're going to do. So Yeah, clear, with, with intention. I love it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> wow. And then I, yeah, so, we, uh-huh. no, I was just going to say, I want to acknowledge for a second what I haven't heard a whole lot of with couples planning their birth. One that you, Sean, were kind of more home birth, I guess you could say, at, you know, at one stage or just had already had that idea, if that were, you know, a life path for you, if you were to have children and watching business of being born as a, you know, a single dude hanging out, like that's pretty cool. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I know. I, I, I guess I don't, didn't really think about how weird that was until I started listening to your podcast and hearing other people's stories. I'm like, wait, it's always the women that want, that want home birth and they have to kind of like drag their, you know, it's a stereotype. They have to kind of like drag their husbands along. Yeah. Through it. Um, but I don't think it's weird. I think it's awesome. Yeah, and and so for me, I was like, well, it didn't exactly go that way for us. Now it wasn't like I had to drag Renee through it. I mean, right. she she was very receptive to it, and ultimately, when it came down to it, it was it was the final decision was hers because it's her body and her, mm-hmm. you know, it's her birth. Um, I'm the support partner, but just fortunately, like most other things, we just really agreed mm-hmm. very early on that that's what we wanted to do. So, yeah. Wow. <laughs> Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Wow. Okay. So then the, the pregnancy, how, how was that for you, Renee? How did you experience that? I know in, in some of our correspondence before we, we met up to talk, um, there were a few aspects that, you know, aren't in every single pregnancy and that you, you kind of, um, moved through. So I'd love to hear a little bit about that. Yeah. Yeah. So the, the first trimester was really difficult. I was completely exhausted and sick mm. constantly all the time, like 24 hours a day, the whole first trimester. I finally broke down and got some anti-nausea meds just into the second trimester. And then things got better. And then I um, failed the gestational diabetes treating test, which freaked me out a lot. Mm -hmm. Yeah. uh, So I do all the cooking in the home. Uh, Renee and I are both vegan. Okay. uh, And yeah, and so I do all the cooking in the home. And so, like, Renee, is it safe to say that your relationship to food is primarily just... I only eat because I have to. Right. Yeah. I got you. Like, I don't I don't love, love food. You know, like, mm-hmm. I love it when it tastes good, and I especially love things that are sweet and not good for you. Um, but I don't, like, crave food. Gotcha. And I, um, that's my own accord. I eat peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and spaghetti. Um <laughs> 
all that can make myself. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, you know, and so I was really shocked by the gestation with diabetes because I, you know, we eat a fairly healthy diet as, you know, compared to most people in America. And, you know, we eat a lot of vegetables. We don't eat a lot of um, fat or... A lot like, of processed food. We don't even eat a lot of sugary stuff. And and then for a while, I was not even really eating anything at all. So, mm. um, so I was really surprised by when that happened. And then... Um, yeah, because, like, when, when, um, when Renee found out that she was pregnant, and really before that, we were kind of planning... The pregnancy, like we really did clean up our diet. Like, so we were eating, we were eating like 80, 90 percent like clean, unprocessed whole foods and everything. Mm-hmm. And I was doing most of the cooking. And so when we got this diagnosis, when Renee got this diagnosis of gestational diabetes, or what I guess they call kind of like borderline gestational diabetes, mm-hmm. um, uh, which I don't know, should I go into like, should I go, should I go into what that is? Go, is yeah, please do. Like, I was just going to say, so can you kind of like in a simple way explain that for maybe those who don't have experience with it or don't know, you know, what that means was happening in your body or what, what that sort of, you know, quote unquote diagnosis means exactly? Yeah. Um, do you want me to take it? Um, yeah. yeah. So uh, I guess it's progesterone, right? The pregnancy hormone mm-hmm. uh, naturally um, uh, changes your body's relationship to insulin. Yeah. And it, um, so naturally when you get pregnant, your blood sugars increase mm-hmm. a little bit. And that's normal because the babies need more glucose mm-hmm. when they're growing. That's a good thing. But sometimes it gets out of balance. And it's just the side effect of the hormones. Like sometimes, you know, it's the same thing like the causing of heartburn by the, you know, the, the esophageal sphincter opening, mm-hmm. you know, um, like this, these are normal things that progesterone causes, but sometimes it gets further out of balance causing gestational diabetes, which is a, an unsafe level of glucose in the blood. Okay. Um, and uh, in a lot of cases, it's treatable through diet and exercise. But some people, sometimes it can't be controlled that way. Mm-hmm. And it's just like any, uh, like, it's just a type 2 diabetes in that you have to have a glucometer and mm-hmm. test your blood sugar uh, an hour after every meal. So it's a big, it, it really changes your lifestyle. Like, Renee, when we got the diagnosis, like, we had to really track every single thing she was eating. Wow. And check her blood sugar for one hour after every single meal and track it in a log and Renee, fortunately, is very scientific and organized and all this stuff and kept extremely good records for weeks. Mm. I mean, weeks and weeks and weeks. And I was doing all the shopping and all the cooking, and I went on the same diet that she did just to make it much easier in the home. Yeah. And, you know, we just started experimenting with, well, what foods spike her blood sugar? And it turned out when we got the diagnosis, right, that uh, our midwife actually gave us a glucometer, but it was kind of an old one, and it was reading high. Huh. Right? So for that first, like, four or five days... It was really frustrating because I would eat, like, just a giant salad, and I'm like, there's only, like, lettuce in here. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know... It's got, like, a 160 blood sugar reading. <laughs> yeah, but it, it would be, like, just barely over the the limit a lot of times. Mm-hmm. And um, so our, our, our midwife had... um two numbers that we were really looking out for that was um, a fasting blood sugar, so eight hours after mm-hmm. the last thing you ate, right? 
and then one hour after you started eating food. So if it took you 45 minutes to eat the food, then it took minutes you have to check your blood sugar. Um, thankfully, I eat really fast, so that wasn't really a problem. Um, but it was just, it was really kind of a nightmare. Um, it's a huge lifestyle change. With the, yeah. the readings being just slightly over all the time. And just what we were risking was um, bumping out of our home birth plan. Okay. Because if they weren't controllable, uh, if we couldn't get 80% of our numbers under the per limit, then we would have to go to a family practitioner or an OB or something to manage our care, and we wouldn't be able to have this mason at home. Right. Um, so there was a lot, there was a lot on the line. Mm-hmm. Um, and then even beyond that, like gestational diabetes is a serious health risk. Like uh, if you if you let your blood sugars go uncontrolled, then it can it wildly increase the fetal growth. Okay. Um, yes, yeah, so the babies can can grow way too big inside, and uh, I don't know, it can cause a bunch of other problems. And it also increases the mother's risk and the baby's risk of of getting type one or type two diabetes later in life. Mm. Type two. Type one is, is not affected by it. Right. Um, so, after we got the glucometer thing figured out, and we really cleaned up our diet, and we're, we're like, kind of insanely cleaned up our diet, and started kind of exercising after every meal, we got way below the cutoff numbers. Mm-hmm. And we got okayed by our midwife and by our general practitioner to continue with home birth. Oh, that's great. So... Yeah, so it ended up working out okay, and we ended up kicking it in about two weeks. Wow. Less than three weeks. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's just, it, was a gr- it was a really good, like, group effort between Renee and I, like, after we got over the initial shock of it, and, like, because it was shocking, and it was hard to get that news. Um, well, yeah. it was especially difficult for me, because I've, I've always just been a person that has like the same weight all the time mm-hmm. and my lifestyle is active enough between the dogs and the horses and stuff that I've never really had to be on a diet before and I've never experienced having to watch what I eat and like time what I'm eating and I've, I've always just been kind of a grazer mm-hmm. and, and then I couldn't do that and so it was it was really um, frustrating at first so once I got into a rhythm it was it was much better and then um and then once we knew that things were going okay, um, we were able to reduce the amount of times I was checking my blood sugar down to like four times a day to just like twice a day. And then I was only checking in the morning. Mm-hmm. Um, the other key thing for me was that I had to, like I would eat like a bedtime snack of like a um, yogurt, um, some like soy-based yogurt and some like sunflower seeds and a little bit of protein in before bed. And then I would have to wake up exactly eight hours later to check my blood sugar. Mm. If I waited eight and a half hours, it would be too high. But if I checked it at eight hours, I was good. Yeah. The fasting numbers are the ones that you have the least control over. Um, And those are the ones that took the longest to go down. The fasting blood sugar. Mm. Um, So like eight hours after your last meal, you have to check your, your blood sugar in the morning. And those numbers stayed high the longest, right? Yeah. Um, but ultimately, they, they fell also and way below the cutoff. Like, I think the cutoff was like 90 or something like that for the, for the fasting, and we were getting in the 70s. So, so it was good. I mean, but it, but it really, like, for us, before the gestational diabetes diagnosis, it was sort of like this 
this like happy wonderland of like, oh, it's just going to, like, birth is going to go exactly the way we think it's going to go, yeah. and we're going to have this, this magical home birth, and like, nothing can get in between us and our birth plan. But I think that was sort of a big wake-up call, because our, our midwife, like, I called Tamina, and I said, so what's at stake here? She said, well, what's at stake is that you're, we're not going to have a home birth. Mm. I was like, oh, wow. You know, it was like, it was this big, like, the, it was the reality of it that I think we both kind of needed that, in a sense. Like, it was actually kind of a good thing for us. And actually, to, to this day, we're still basically eating that gestational diabetes diet, that we because we actually like eating that way now. Mm. Um, it's not anything that weird. So we just eat a lot of whole plant foods and we eat black seeds and, you know, it's just like good, it's just good stuff. Like yeah. It's good food to eat. We have a little bit higher protein in our diet now and, you know, right. Yeah. So, wow. That's, um, it, that, <laughs> that's a, that's a lot. That's a lot to like cope with and like Renee for you and your body. Like that's a huge um, like regimen to, to like be on and like a lot of shifts um, and, and along with everything else of like preparing for this huge life change. It's like all that other thrown in there. What, what comes up for me is just like, Oh, the things we do for our babies. Right. <laughs> you know? Yeah, um, and, mm-hmm. and I did, we did, we went out for um, dinner one night, like early, very early in their, you know, fixing this. We had Indian food, and I ate a whole bunch of white rice. White rice. And um, potatoes and cauliflower. Yeah, so lots of starches and carbs. And then I noticed myself feeling really shaky and, like, restless and, like, I couldn't sit. Life was really uncomfortable, and um, and my blood sugar got all the way up to almost two hundred. Mm. Um, and so, and I had been feeling that way before, and so it was very clear then that all the all those nights that I couldn't sleep, and I was like constantly going to the bathroom because I felt like I had to pee, but then there like wasn't any pee to pee, mm-hmm. um, but only because I had high blood sugar. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I was very happy to have that part go away yeah. <laughs> under control, be able to like recognize the symptoms of it. So, you know, it was more than just, oh, you're pregnant, you have to go to the bathroom a lot. Like I would get up like 20 times to go to the bathroom in the middle of the night. It was just like a ridiculous amount. Mm-hmm. So it was really it was good to get it under control and then be able to sleep maybe three hours at a time. Yeah. Jeez. So then, um, what's, what's some advice or just some like words of encouragement that you would share with some mamas out there listening who, you know, are, are working with that themselves, either have a gestational diabetes diagnosis or, you know, are are higher risk for it. Like what are, what are some things that you would want to, you know, for mama and, you know, for mom and birth partner, you know, Sean, you were a huge part of the, of the process as well and being very supportive. So I'm just curious some like nuggets you would leave for them. I would say um, not to get discouraged because yeah. I spent a lot of time just being really down on myself and like I don't know it was it was not a good emotional time for yeah. a few days. Um, but then you know then I just kind of rallied through that and really got my butt in gear and did the exercise even though it was really hard to do it at that point because you're at the beginning of your third trimester and you're not feeling good again and your energy is low, but um, go to the pool, that really helps. 
did some water aerobics. Mm -hmm. That was good. Um, and just walking, you know, it's really hard to eat a, a meal and then exercise. Yeah. <laughs> But um, you have to exercise within that first hour after eating to really have an effect your blood sugar. Yeah, to help drive that sugar into your cells and into your tissue, not into your blood. So walking, just going for a walk. But then I, then I started doing more than that. I would take a dog and I would go and I would walk the long side of the block and jog the short side. <laughs> <laughs> Just because I was really determined at that point to get the numbers down, and I was really determined to stay with our home birthing plans, and I really, really did not want to be in the hospital mm -hmm. for any reason. Mm -hmm. Did not want to be there. Um, and um, yeah, so just just keep keep your hopes up and just get at it. You, know, yeah. you can change if you work hard enough. For the most part. And if you can, if you do all the things and you still can't get your blood sugars under control and you need to be medicated, then there's a good reason for that. And yeah. that's kind of what I kept saying to me over and over again is if we test out of home birth care, it's for a good reason. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And to just like be able to accept that yeah. um, as a possibility was really helpful to just be like, okay, if this doesn't work out, I can't control it. It is beyond my control because I know that I did everything it possibly could to correct it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's great. Get at it. I love it. <laughs> so, um... Gestational yeah, I mean, diabetes is one of those kind of rare... Um, I don't know, maybe, maybe rare is the wrong word, but it is one of the ailments mm. or diagnoses you can get in pregnancy where, like, you really can beat it without medication. Mm. Now that might not be possible for everybody, but right. you can at least can at least improve mm -hmm. the situation. Sure. Um, and so I would say for birth partners, like just to take some of that stress off of the pregnant person and like really get in there and and do some research, cook some meals. Like I contacted a few dietitians to like make sure that my instincts were correct about what she should be eating and what she shouldn't be. And then I just kind of went with it and I just supported her every step of the way that I could. Uh, and also I, I ate the diet with her. Mm -hmm. So I didn't, I, I wasn't like cooking her separate meals. I like, ate the same thing that she did. Of course you were. This is the man who watched business of being born. He, he's going to get in there and do it too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that would be, that would be my, that would be my little, little advice there. <laughs> nice. I love it. I love it. That's great. Thank you for that. Cause you know, I don't have a lot of experience with it or, or knowledge of it. And so that's, you know, enlightening for me. And I'm sure there are listeners who are like, Oh, thank you. You know, for sharing part of that. Um, so that's, Oh, and it is, it is a relatively common problem. Like mm -hmm. I think gestational diabetes is just one or two in every ton of, in every ton of pregnancies. Mm -hmm. So pretty common to fail that glucose exam. Yeah. It happens. Pretty regularly, so I yeah. thought I'd add that. Gotcha. Cool, cool. Well, let's take a quick break right now, and then when we come back, I want to talk about Mason's birth story. Hello, D-I-A-H mamas. Sarah here. Matthew and I just launched our latest production together, the Balanced Mama Moment audio series. Who is this for? Any mom looking for more balance in her life, and she's ready to start putting some conscious, powerful, loving, healing energy into herself. 
This is a guided audio experience of 20 tracks covering everything from how to make a balanced mama moment to body image, sex after motherhood, balance in your relationship, and so much more. We made this for moms just like you and me. So go to sarahbivens.com and click Balanced Mama to learn more and to sign up because we don't think twice about investing in our kiddos. So let's take a moment to give back to ourselves. So go sarahbivens.com and click on Balanced Mama. Okay, so birth. Birth had its own kind of unique set of challenges and twists and turns as well, right? It did, yeah. So I was really hoping he would come early because I have a full load of school this semester, and I was like, if he could just come before school starts, that would be great. <laughs> we didn't quite that. Um, so at at forty weeks, we went to to Devil's Lake, and I hiked all the way up the mountain and back down, hoping that certainly all the climbing would get the baby out. Mm-hmm. Um, so a week later, my sister and her boyfriend, who were part of our birth team, were here visiting. And so I was like, okay, Mason, you should come this weekend because Granny Gina is here. <laughs> she was to drive to Chicago. Um, and so uh, Sunday morning, um, I woke up because I felt a weird extra strong kick. And, before, and like I knew that my water had broke before I even felt it. And then, and then it all poured out, and I woke Sean up. I was like, Sean, my water just broke. Yeah, it was like 10 minutes to 7 in the morning, and we had brunch plans that morning with the, with the, the whole family. And then my water broke. And I was like, are you serious? <laughs> I like, didn't know. Yeah, it like, didn't seem real at the, at the time, but, um, but it did. Yeah, it did. And so um, we called Tamina, and she said, just kind of, you know, go about your day as as usual, because it can take a while for labor to start. Mm-hmm. So we went, and we didn't mention anything to the family, except for Gina and Sean, they knew. And then we went home, and we just waited, and we waited, and we waited, and nothing happened. Um, just breaks and hex contraction. Yeah, nothing mm-hmm. more than what I had already experiencing, and... Um, Tamina said that usually it starts in the middle of the night, and I was up at, like, 2 a.m., and nothing had happened. I was like, all right, this is not happening tonight. So in the morning, um, you know, we called Tamina around 7 to let her know that nothing really was progressing. So she came over to check on us, um, check me and check the baby, and all of our vitals were fine. And um, we decided to try the castor oil and um, homeopathy route just to see if we couldn't kick things into gear because once your water breaks you have about 72 hours to get for the baby to arrive um before they get really concerned about infection right mm-hmm. yeah so even after that 24 hour mark the the um the increased risk of, of infection is not like imminent but it's it's worrisome it's it's there it exists right. so we're already this of like, well, we should really get labor going. Mm-hmm. So, so I made Renee this, I took a bunch of frozen berries out of the freezer and I blended up the casserole with the berries. And I wonder if that's for a small... Yeah, and I, I used way too many berries and it was a huge volume of... It was like a giant bowl of castor ice cream. <laughs> yeah, I, I kind of did her a disservice by using so many berries. Um, 
Uh, and we ended up going to the chiropractor in order to kind of speed things along as well. Okay. And at the chiropractor, Renee threw up all the all the cat oil. Oh, and all the berries. But she <laughs> luckily made it to the bathroom. So barely, I barely made it. There was purple and red berries <laughs> all over their back. So I had to that before we left. Yeah. Um. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. So we rushed home, and pretty much as soon as we got home, it was about like 11 in the morning. Uh, uh, she went into labor. Okay. Very intense, like contractions every one to three minutes. Um, and it ramped up quickly. It was like, it got, it it got kind of serious for us. We were, it was just the two of us because Gina and Strom had gone off for lunch. It was just Renee and I at home. And we had uh, a couple of hours to ourselves just to Mm -hmm. experience like early labor, which felt I think more intense than we were both expecting, right? Mm. Yeah, well, I, I don't know. I guess I just, in my head, envisioned that it would kind of just start a little bit slow and kind of ramp up, but then it went from nothing to a lot. Wow. Like, all of a sudden. It was really, really intense. And at some point, Sean called our, well, we had called our doula, Tani, um, the night before when my water broke, and so she was checking in with us. Also, as she, um, stopped by just to kind of see how things were going, and I was, at that point, on the bed, on all fours, just like leaning over a giant stack of pillows. Mm. Um, yeah, and Tammy basically just said, as soon as she looked at Renee, she said, I guess I'm not going to be going home. Like, I think I'm just going to stay here with you guys, you know, and, and an hour later, our midwife came, so this mm. was like around, they were three in the afternoon, and like the whole birth team had assembled, so okay. like, uh, our jeweler, Tammy, and our midwife, Tamina, and Gina, uh, who's Renee's sister, and Strom, who is uh, Gina's partner and doing photography for us. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, so everybody was there. Um, and then uh, Tamina set up the birth tub, and she was, like, checking Renee's vitals and the baby's vitals, and everything was looking good. Um as soon as the whole birth team was there, Renee really relaxed into labor. Mm-hmm. And and we had some, I don't know, it was just, like, amazing to kind of see her, like, learn learn how to cope with the contractions, right? I mean, with the help. Yeah, it's definitely a learned skill, you know. Like yeah. You can't sit until you're in it. It's, you know, it's, you just have to, I don't know, it's hard to describe and explain yeah. unless you've already been there. Like, and you know what I'm talking I about. I get you know? it, like, yeah. At first, you're panicked a little bit because you're like, oh, shit, this is not quite what I anticipated it being like. And then, <laughs> like, okay, panic should not help you. So let's just, like, calm down and, you know, like, listen to everybody. And, of course, um, they want you to move in ways that is extremely uncomfortable. <laughs> like, Roll your hips through the contraction. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. <laughs> There's no possible way I can do that, but then you do. 
Um, and then after you do it one or two times, then it's a lot easier to, like, get deeper into a squatting position and, like, move your hips. And, of course, I am, a, you know, from the Midwest, we don't throw our hips here. Like, <laughs> I don't know if that's skill that I have. I do not have hip swirling skills. Um, but you figured it out. I do figure it out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you figured it out. And it did make things better. And it's just you have to remember that, like, the pain is going to bring your baby mm-hmm. and get excited about meeting him. And it's like, it makes things better. Mm-hmm. They kind of go along. And so we spent a lot of time in and out of the bathroom mm-hmm. and um, sitting on, on a birth ball <laughs> with me, like, leaning somebody's lap. Sorry about that. Um, yeah. Yeah, and, and like, I was, it was either me or it was Gina with uh, Renee pretty much the whole time mm-hmm. while we were at home. And uh, Renee got into the tub for about an hour. Yeah. And, uh, and... What time now? Like, probably... This is like their, yeah, 5, 6 o'clock. And um, Tamina, our midwife, checked the baby's heart rate um, after Renee had, had some pretty extreme contractions in the tub and uh, the baby's heart rate was slightly elevated. It was mm. like 170, 180 in that range. And uh, so we were worried that either an infection had started mm. because labor takes a long time, which, right. is, which is serious, or that Renee was dehydrated. Mm. Those are the two major concerns. Um, so we decided to push fluids. And so over the course of the next three hours, Renee drank a lot of Gatorade, a lot of coconut water, a lot of water, a lot of tea, and the baby's heart rate still wasn't going down. Mm. So uh, Tamina tried to put him in an IV catheter to do um, IV fluids um, at home. It's sort of a last-ditch effort to get the heart rate down. Right. And she couldn't get the vein because Renee was dehydrated. Yeah, yeah. it's really not easy to do that, so that failed. And uh, at about eight or nine o'clock, we had a discussion, and they said, and Tamina basically said to us, like, we're going to have to transfer to the hospital uh, because if it's an infection, that's really serious. If it's dehydration, that's also serious. But right. we need the, we need our fluids, and we need uh, to kind of get this all looked at if possible. Well, also amongst all of that, my contractions had pretty much stopped. Oh, yeah. Okay, um, so things had slowed down. That's the thing. Yeah, so we turned on the lights to do the IV catheter, and like everything, everything just kind of didn't feel right at that right. point. Right. So, yeah, the whole atmosphere changed, mm-hmm. and, and of course, you know, they now worried me about Mason's health, and mm-hmm. so that in and of itself, you know, slow or stop your labor, and and then um, and so we spent some time just me and Sean in the bedroom, just kind of cuddling and mm-hmm. trying to just kind of relax if things would get started again. Um, yeah. But they didn't, and then his heart rate was still high, and then um, Tamina did a cervical exam, and I was only at, like, two centimeters, oh. um, which mm-hmm. was really frustrating for me because I was, like, all that labor for, yeah. like, basically nothing. I bet. Like, basically no um, And so me being at two centimeters, that kind of, that pretty much just sealed the deal. Yeah. Like, we had to transfer at that point. Okay. Um, no. Like, if she had checked me and I was, like, eight or nine centimeters, we would have just stayed home. Um, but since we were not anywhere close, we went ahead and transferred. 
Um, yes, we got, we packed the cars and we went. Packed the first team and we went to the hospital. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. And they, uh, so then they got it. They got an IV and we started some fluids and some pitocin. Yeah, so we transferred into UW Midwife Care. So we were still with midwives. We were in a birthing center. That's great. That's um, great. So it was in the hospital. So we still had care from midwives. And they were fantastic. And midwives at the UW at um, yeah. uh, Marrier Hospital were really, really good to us. And was um, that your plan B? Had you guys, did you guys know that that's what you would yeah. do? Okay. Yeah, we had taken a tour of the facility before labor okay. began. So like a Know, sometime in the third trimester, we went. Yeah. We went and got a tour of the facility, so we kind of already knew what to expect. And uh, we talked through all yeah. this with Tamina ahead of time, just because you know we like to be prepared for yeah. things, and so we wanted to know what we would do with if we needed to transfer where we would go and all of that. And so mm-hmm. it was comforting to know that we already knew what to do. It wasn't like now, okay, so now what? Yeah, I bet yeah. that's yeah, that's so nice. Yeah, in the midst of things. Um, and so the first part of that was, you know, went pretty well. Like my contractions picked back up again. Um, yeah, they started Pitocin and IV fluids mm-hmm. when we got there to kind of uh, get labor going. Yeah, and it did. And it did. And the baby's heart rate was down to 140, so that was good. Yeah. Um, and Renee labored for the whole night yeah. and got in and out of the tub at the birthing center. Mm-hmm. Um. I fell asleep for a couple of hours in the late hours of the morning, so like probably between 4 and 7 a.m. I ended up kind of passing out. <laughs> the, the midwife was like, you've got to get some sleep. Like, you got to get some sleep. And so I did. Um, and I woke up, I don't know, Renee, you've been going for a long time now. You've been in labor for going on almost 24 hours at this point. Wow. Um at some point, I, the, the timeline is a little fuzzy yeah. for me, but at some point they did another cervical exam, and I was up around like five centimeters or so and had developed um, a four bag. So his, the water had reformed. Oh, wow. And part of it was coming out of my cervix. Yeah, and, it's like a bubble that the downward pressure of the baby's head can create a new bag of waters. Wow, so, I've never heard of that. <laughs> yeah, it was like bubbling out of the cervix. Yeah. So they offered to break it, and I just said, no, it'll probably break on its own again. Um, And it did. And so a little while later, my water broke again. Mm. And And a lot came out. It was like another cup or two of fluid. It was like, it was a lot. lot. You know, it's kind of crazy. Like, yeah, I don't know. It was weird. (laughs) So I was like, all right, good. We're making progress. And, um, And the labor pains really intensified after that. They got going really strong, and Gina and Strom came back to the hospital. We sent them home overnight, so they came back in the morning, and, and things were really amping up. And um, and at some point in there, they thought maybe Mason was positioned poorly, and so they did what's called um, the magic reset to kind of help the baby reset a little bit. And so you spend 10 minutes in, like, uh, a child's pose with your butt up in the air really far to help help the baby maybe slide out of the pelvis a little bit. And then they want you to do 10 minutes of, like, cat and cow, mm. and then 10 minutes of rolling your hips in the circle, and then 10 minutes of them, they get a towel on your hips, and they, like, shake your hips okay. back and forth. And you have to, like, do all that 
through your contractions, which is really hard. Mm-hmm. But I did it. I did everything they asked me to do. Everything <laughs> that was hard, everything that hurt, I did it. Yeah. <laughs> I never once said, no, I can't do it. Mm. I may have thought it, and I may have hesitated, but I did eventually yeah. decide to do it because I, I really, really wanted him really wanted to have a vaginal birth, and I knew, you know, being at the hospital and how the chances of needing a C-section were already elevated because we'd already had to leave the house. Right. Yeah, I mean, like, so the so the crazy thing is, they did it on the surgical exam after all of this, after the four-back burst, and then she was at seven centimeters, but another four-back had formed. Mm. So, wow. so now it's twice four bag and mm-hmm. the midwife that we had at the hospital just said okay we're going to rupture this four bag we're going to put in a catheter inside mm-hmm. your uterus to make sure that the contractions are actually affecting the baby okay this all gets really weird with the timeline yeah but, yeah um, I bet. so i had been having some like i so i had slept now so it's tuesday um and they were. They had asked me about an epidural, and I wasn't ready. Um, but I did get some fentanyl intravenously, mm. and uh, and and Tamina. So why don't we just get the tub again and see if that helps? Because it helped at home, and it helped for the last time. But when I was in the tub the second time, I had a contraction that lasted five minutes. Mm-hmm. It was like a solid five minute contraction, and. After that, I was like, all right, I can't, I can't do this anymore. There is no way, like, I, just, I need the epidural now. Mm-hmm. And so, um, so then I got an epidural. And, um, and that, then that's when they were like, we need to know why things aren't progressing. And I think at that point also, they had had to turn the Pitocin down because Mason started to have some, um, Lows in his heart rate during right. contractions, and so they were concerned about him. And so the hope was once I got an epidural and I could maybe be a little bit more comfortable, that things would just kind of normalize. We could go back on the pitocin and things would be better. Mm. Um, and so once the epidural was in, they um, they rebroke that bag of water again, and then um, and that's when they put in the internal contraction monitor because they needed to know if things weren't going because my contractions weren't strong enough. And, like, in my head, I was thinking to myself, if you tell me that my contractions are not strong enough, I'm going to have to, like, touch someone in the face. Yeah. <laughs> because it's yeah. painful. There's no way these contractions cannot possibly be strong enough. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they monitored through a couple of contractions, and they were fine. They were perfectly strong contractions. Um, but his heart rate was slowing a lot. And that's when they started to, talk, to mention that we might need a C-section. Yeah, so they broke so they broke the water that second the second time, which is actually Renee's third time with her water breaking. Oh, right. And her cervical dilation went down from seven centimeters to five. Wow. Because the the bag was holding the cervix open basically is what they said. So you went from seven to five to six. And that's when things really changed. Because I, I think, you know, uh, Renee had been in labor for like almost thirty four hours at this point and she's really exhausted. She maybe only got about one hour of sleep the entire time. Um, 
And so uh, they were just concerned that things weren't progressing mm-hmm. and uh, were worried with these heart decelerations from the baby that uh, that if we waited any longer, we might end up in a crash C-section right. situation, which is really bad. Mm. Um, that, well, if we, if we make the decision now and we go in for C-section, then we can prepare her properly. She's already got the epidural in, so we can just do the pain meds to the epidural and uh, you'll get to meet your baby within an hour. Mm. Seemed like the best situation. Like our midwife, Tamina was there, our doula was there. Everybody was just sort of nodding along. with was like, this is the right choice. Yeah. And, and so I had a bunch of extra questions at that point, but after I saw like Renee was in agreement, we decided, mm. okay, let's do it. Okay. And so we, we went in and, uh, and had a C-section and I, we got to meet Mason <laughs> in the, in the opera, which was really incredible. I mean, um, I took, I took my phone in there and took some photos. Mm-hmm. Our birth team couldn't come into the operating room with us. They only let one person. So it was me. Uh, so took some photos in there. Do you want to talk about what happened after the, after the operation? Yeah. Well, during, um, so they brought Mason over to me and put on my chest. And that was great. Oh yeah. Um, but, you know, like, I'm listening to the surgeons and being a tech, a vet tech, you know, yeah. I experience a lot of surgery on, not on people, of course, but on animals. And so the conversations are the same, you know, and so I'm listening to them and what they're doing. And so I know that they're kind of doing things up and checking for bleeders and moving things around. And, and suddenly things went from feeling just like pressure and pulling to sharp pain. And that I was instructed ahead of time to let them know if things were going from pressure to sharp. Oh. And so I told them, okay, this is this is sharp pain now. Um, and since the baby was out, they were able to give me some IV medication. And but I was like, the epidural something is not working with with the blocking. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I gave Mason back to Sean because things were getting very uncomfortable for me. Um, and then Sean went and took him for, like, his footprints and things like that. And at that point, I was getting extremely uncomfortable. Um, yeah, so normally, like, after I take him to the incubator and, like, we do the footprints and they do the APGAR score and all that stuff, we would go back to Renee at that point and just, like, hang out with her until she goes into recovery. Mm-hmm. But they had just informed me that, like, Renee's unconscious now and they just took me out into the recovery room with Mason. So I was separated Ooh. from Renee. There was just, like, a period of time there where like I didn't know if she was okay Ugh. and I mean she, the last guy I heard from her was that she was in a lot of pain mm-hmm. and so so that was just I mean the, the end of the, the c-section was was probably the most traumatic thing of the experience for us um, because you go into the cesarean section expecting like yeah we're gonna have a rough recovery like over the course of the next couple of weeks because it's, a, it's an abdominal surgery but we weren't expecting that to be the most painful part of the entire birthing process mm-hmm. you know we were expecting the surgery itself to be basically painless. Right. Um, but yeah, I don't know if, if I passed out or if they put me out. Um, yeah. But she awoke in the recovery room. Like they, they rolled her into the recovery room, and she awoke, and uh, uh, it was just ghastly. She was, like, shaking and uh, was, like, in convulsions, and her lips were trembling as well. It was, like, really bad. And the, the nurses were sort of, like, not doing much about it. And then Renee basically... One of the nurses asked you, like, pain scale on a level to zero to ten, where are you? And they said 13. <sighs> and and all of a sudden, like, all and, and throughout all of labor, like, when they asked her what her pain level was at, she would say, like, seven or eight. Oh, wow. This was, like, this was by far worse. 
And it's not supposed to be that way, of course. Like, yeah. So didn't right, in the in the anesthesia. Um, and then they finally started giving her some pain meds, and her pain went down to like a five or six. Okay. But it took a long time. It took like 20 or 40 minutes, somewhere in that range, for them to like get her pain level down to like a level of tolerance. And meanwhile, like our midwife and doula were just like working on breastfeeding mm. while Rain was going through the picture. They were just doing, they were totally calm. They were just like working with Mason and like put, trying to position him on the breast. And like, um, they were just doing what they were supposed to be doing, which was, mm-hmm. which was really good. But like, it was just a lot to deal with at like that late stage in the, <laughs> the um, in the whole experience. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and it just wasn't, it wasn't what we expected, but like, I'd say in general, like most of what we experienced in the hospital was actually really good. Like the UW midwives really took care of us. The surgical team, I mean, they did a great job, like, uh, Renee's surgery went, medically speaking, like, totally smoothly, mm-hmm. uh, they stitched her up really well, like, um, but there was something weird with the anesthesia there. Well, wow. I, I don't know for 100% certain, but I feel like I had my appendix out when I was, like, 12, and I think there were probably some adhesions to mm. places there shouldn't have been. I think when they were breaking those down to move things around and check on stuff, that's what was causing the pain. Because afterwards, I had, like, a red raised rash around my appendix scar that was huh. not connected to my period at all. Mm-hmm. And um, once things kind of settled down, I had the most pain around my appendix scar, not where the period happened. That's interesting. So what were you feeling, Renee? Like, what was the pain? Was it in your lower abdominal area, like where the surgery was? And like, what were you experiencing? It was on, it was on the right side. Oh, okay. Where my, and wow. um, I guess and throughout my pregnancy, I was having pretty constant pains on my right side. And I thought it was, I had tripped down the, um, the basement stairs kind of early in the second trimester and I thought it was like I had screwed something up from that mm. um but now I wonder if it was just like there was some weird adhesion for my for an old surgery that healed in a weird way and it was pressure on that that yeah. was causing discomfort because it was right in the same the same place mm-hmm. it's like and during it was just sharp it wasn't like I could tell exactly what was going on, but it was definitely not the same pressure I had been feeling. It definitely, there was a very stark contrast to um, them, you know, moving things around and pulling the baby out. Because it just feels like, it just feels like pressure. Right. You can't feel anything. Um, but then it was definitely, it was definitely pain. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And he's here now through all of that. I mean, gosh, that's quite the, that is quite the experience from all of that, like everything you described and you, you got to experience most of it at home. And then, you know, I think it's great that, you know, the, the care that you went into was, was awesome. And the people around you, you still had your team, but like, what a, what a birth. Yeah. You know, of course, I was so dead set against going to the hospital. Like, I was really afraid of going to the hospital. I did not want an epidural. I did not want a C-section. And, you know, we planned on no interventions and had every single intervention you could possibly have. Mm -hmm. Um, But very late in the game, like, I think most of those interventions happened in the last six hours. Right, right. 
for that, you basically had a natural, you were having a natural birth all the way up until those last six hours, yeah. right? And, uh, you know, the epidural did nothing but offer you a little bit of sleep. Mm-hmm. Really. It was great. I was really happy. She slept for a couple hours. Girl. I mean, and for me, like, so in kind of debriefing the birth with our midwife, mm-hmm. it was like she just, she kind of reminded us that, like, home birth is about a philosophy, not about a location. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And you know, one of the podcast episodes, I don't know, it was, it was maybe that you did, a, a, like, about a month and a half ago, maybe, that was about, like, having a home birth in a hospital. Mm, yeah. Mm-hmm. I just, I, I don't remember who it was who was speaking, but I remember that kind of like stuck with me. I was like, wow, that's really, really powerful. Like she felt like she had had a, basically a home birth experience in a hospital. And I can honestly say that like when we brought our birth affirmations with us, we brought our twinkle lights with us to the hospital. And like we did all that. Like our birth team set up the hospital to make it really feel like our home environment. Mm-hmm. And by the time we were there, it was, it was absolutely the right place to be. There were no regrets as far as like what interventions Renee needed. Yeah. You know, like we're really glad those interventions existed because if they didn't, like the outcome could have been really tragic. You know, mm-hmm. for us. Um, so we're really glad that things went the way they did actually. I am too. And I'm sure Mason is too. <laughs> totally healthy. Yeah. Pounds, wow. Big boy. Yeah. And he's, he's uh, nearing 11 pounds now. And he's not even a month old. There you go. That's great. Wow. What a blessing and what a cool, you know, in all of it for you to experience together. I mean, two people who from, from go were very, like we talked about earlier, intentional and clear and you're going to do it, you know, once your minds are set and, you know, you now have this new experience together and now this, this journey that you're on, I mean, gosh, that's a whole other, that's, like an unending podcast episode of, of parenthood together. <laughs> but um, that I think it's a really cool chapter in your story. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely a memorable one. Mm. It's not anything we will forget, although I don't think anybody ever forgets their, the birth of their children. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, I'm just so grateful that Sean has been such an involved partner mm-hmm. in the entire uh, like he has been with me or ahead of me a lot of times um, on on so many things mm-hmm. and so that just took a lot of pressure off me because like I didn't have to figure out how to change our diet or I didn't have to figure out how to get the cloth diaper going or I didn't have to figure out how to do um, you know anything really except for just be pregnant and be myself and worry about my things and have to worry about the other stuff because Sean was taking care of it. That's beautiful. Yeah. I just really wanted to be there for all of it. I like I I, I went to every every appointment with the midwife and um you know I feel like I feel like our midwife as I think most people do like to me it to me feels like a family you know mm-hmm. and so absolutely that, that really, through home birth it's, it's totally unlike. I mean, that to me is like prenatal care that is so drastically different from the hospital. And like we felt that when we were in the hospital. This mm-hmm. is like, you know, every, every, um, uh, the changing of the guard, you know, like every eight hours you, you have to meet somebody entirely yeah. new and, yeah. and you don't know them. So it felt kind of jarring in the hospital, um, especially in the postpartum care. But like, 
I don't know, just that that relationship that we formed with our birth team over the course of those nine months is like re- it's really special. Mm-hmm. It's really special. Um, wow, you you guys are awesome. And Sean, you, I mean, musician and birth partner extraordinaire, can add that to your, your resume. <laughs> Thank you. I just wanted to be there for it. Yeah. Wow. Thank you guys so much for for hanging out with me and sharing part of your story and giving a lot of great insight on things that me personally, I didn't know a lot about. There are a lot of elements to your story that I I had no experience with. And so I'm very grateful for that. I feel like it makes me, you know, as a mom and as someone who plans to have more kids, you know, more knowledgeable and more compassionate for, for other people's circumstances and then things that I may experience that I don't know anything about yet. So I just, I really appreciate a lot of um, new perspectives that you were able to bring for me personally. And I'm, I have no doubt that it touched lots of listeners as well. So um, you guys are, you guys are the real deal. You guys are awesome. Thank you. It's been a pleasure to, uh, to be able to, to relay that to other people and hopefully um, some folks will still listen in our experience and, take something from it. I mean, you know, I think I just, if I can step out of my soapbox for like one second here, I don't want to get too preachy, but (laughs) the thing is is like, um, I think, and I'm not, I'm not accusing you of anything, Sarah, but, but I think sometimes in the home birth community, we can look at things like cesarean and epidural as like failure Mm. just in and of themselves. I think that's a mistake. Yeah. Uh, because we really don't feel that way about our experience. Mm Mm-hmm. But it's, it's because we were really intentional. We didn't want to schedule a cesarean section. We didn't want to schedule an epidural as, like, option number one. Mm-hmm. But those options were all on the table. And I think that more and more, like, the Homebrew community, like, to embrace that way of thinking, like, uh, I mean, it's really good that we have this modern medicine available. Mm-hmm. And uh, for us, I think we kind of surprised ourselves with, kind of how happy we ended up being with our, with our experience, how unique it was, um, even though it wasn't like our quote unquote ideal. Right. Um, and, and all said and done, like we haven't planned having a second kid yet, but we've talked about it a little bit and would we do it the same way? Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Like we're already talking about like, would we do home birth again? Yes. We would plan it exactly the same way. And, um, maybe think a little bit less about what that, what that ideal is yeah. and more about just like reality of birth and just, you have to surrender to the, to the current, you know, where yeah. it takes you. Absolutely. So. I appreciate you doing that. And, you know, we, we started this project, you know, cause we were experiencing our own home birth story. Um, and so, you know, it's become what it is now, but our bottom line at the end of the day, every single day is empowered, informed, supported birth, no matter what it looks like, whatever you choose, Absolutely. wherever you choose, we are all about that. This is just a platform for us to share the stories of, of women and families who may not have had an avenue or a voice before and to provide that opportunity for women to make that choice that they didn't know was an option or maybe didn't think that could be for them. And maybe it is, but whatever anyone chooses, we are, we are a full support of like empowered, loving, magical birth. <laughs> and that shows, and that shows mm. in your podcast and mm. like what you, what you put on the air, like that shows in, in your work. And it, it made a, it made a huge impact on Renee and I mm. throughout our, 
about our pregnancy. So, mm-hmm. um, so thank you for that. And thank you to Matthew also. Oh, thank you. And he sends his best and says hi to you guys. Listen, love on that little Mason for us and keep in touch with us and let us know how you're doing. And just, again, so grateful for you guys. Yeah, thanks. Quick note about the Doing It at Home podcast. Matthew and I are not doctors or medical professionals, and nothing we say should be taken as medical advice or opinion. If you have medical or health-related questions, please take them to a trained professional. We're here simply to entertain you with stories and conversations about pregnancy, birth, and parenthood. Does your father know you're listening to this podcast? Well, when you're done, why don't you stop by and check out a show that is 100% dad-approved? Datages. Hi there, I'm Chad Higgle. If you're looking for useful insights and practical advice you can actually apply to work, family, education, philanthropy, and just life in general, check out Datages. That's D A D A G E S, wherever you listen to your podcasts.